Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mountain West Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me today Jeff Goodman. We got to break down what is happening in the Mountain West right now. We're going to hear from Richard Patino here in just about five minutes. He is uh, always an entertaining interview. I think it's probably the best way to phrase it, Jeff. He's uh, one of the more sarcastic and funny coaches that, uh, that that you'll meet in the college basketball ranks. But let's talk about what's happened in the last week. Um, San Diego State. Uh, survived UC Irvine after a tough loss on the road against Grand Canyon. Um, the big story there is Jaden Ladee. But before we get into that, we got to talk about the best team in the conference. Colorado State took their first loss at home against a good uh, but to date underperforming St. Mary's team. Isaiah Stevens didn't play his best game. But to me, Jeff, the story there is Josiah Strong, Jalen Lake. Both of them are banged up. Both of them are going to be out for about another three to four weeks, hopefully, ideally. Um, what do you make of Colorado State, and, and what do you make of these injuries that they're dealing with right now? Well, I mean, the great thing, when you, when you talk to Nico Medved, he's so even keel. You know, he, he doesn't seem that they're rattled, that they're worried or anything, but certainly you lose two of your key guys, and, and Jalen Lake was terrific in the game before. He, he, you know, he was hurt, played with a broken finger, had about 15 or 16 points. Uh, but they're going to miss both those guys. I mean, again, you 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 now need a kind of next man up mentality, and you know, it just depends on your depth. And you don't you don't know a lot of times. You know, you're going eight or nine deep, and then you got to go now. You know, ten and eleven. What are those guys going to be able to give you? Uh, you know, they got a couple winnable games here coming up, but at Loyola Marymount is not going to be an easy one. So, can they withstand it really for these next three games? Because I think, again, two of the three, you're going to get no problem. You're going to win. That Loyola Marymount game is a big one because if you can get through that one, I think you buy yourself some time here to not only get those guys back, Rob, but again, find out can who who can step up, right? Who can step up and, and fill you know the void for those you know, minutes coming off the bench. Yeah. And for the people that are wondering, like, yeah, you still have your top four scores. You still have Isaiah Stevens. It's not that big of a deal. Well, these are like the the glue guys. These are the pieces where you're talking like the best defender on the team, the best perimeter defender on the team, the guy that uh makes that extra pass, the guy that kind of, the, the guys that kind of make everything click within that roster. So it's um those pieces matter. 
right? And that's not to say that they shouldn't have beat St. Mary's. They, I mean, they probably should have beat them. Uh, Isaiah Stevens didn't play his best game, but um, I think it is also fair to acknowledge that St. Mary's, you had them in the final four heading into the season. Like, that's how good the St. Mary's team um, was expected to be. And they could be, listen, at the end of the day, St. Mary's could figure this whole thing out and end up winning the WCC, and it, it still wouldn't shock anybody. So, yeah, it's not going to be a bad loss. It's just not going to be as good of a loss as, as maybe you, you thought it was going to be if you did go down at home to the Gales. Yeah, and when you have a uh, a 21-point win over a team as good as Creighton on your resume, um, the value of winning a game like that is, you know, you can take a loss here or there and still not they, feel they like you're finish. worried about they got to finish in that conference strong. And then to me, if you're Colorado State, you got to finish in the top three in the Mountain West and you're in as an at-large. I, I think if they finish in the top five in the Mountain West, that, that's a, maybe a different conversation for a different podcast. But I think that there is enough quality at the top of the Mountain yeah. West Conference that like we could be looking at four, maybe five bids coming out of this league. Uh, but I'll tell you this much. Uh, I don't think anybody in that Colorado State locker room would be satisfied if they just finished top three in the Mountain Agreed. West. I think Agreed. every single one of them wants to go out and win the Mountain West. No doubt. Um, the other injury that we need to talk about is uh, is is Jaden Ledee. Um, he didn't play in the last game at home against UC Irvine, uh, which was a wild game, by the way. The, UC Irvine was down by 16 early in the second half. They went and they took like a nine-point lead late in the second half. And San Diego State made a wild rally down the stretch. Uh, Micah Parrish won it with a layup with about 10 seconds left. Um, forced a couple steals against the pressure. Uh, and um, it was, I mean, a win. UC Irvine's a good program. It's not a bad loss, but uh, that's a win that San Diego State needed um, to pick up. So um, what do you know about Ladie's injury? What do you know about how long he's going to be out? Because, you know, we talked about it when he was on the show. He's having a, uh, a fantastic a borderline All-American start to the college basketball season. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's going to be anything that's going to keep him off the court for for you know any sort of of long term uh, deal. I mean, he's a tough kid. I think you know I think they were hoping they can get away with one there, and and they did, but it wasn't pretty. <laughs> and that just shows the the margin for error with this year's San Diego State team as opposed to maybe last year's. Right, um, Jaden Ledea had done an, an incredible job so far this year, stepping up from an offensive standpoint. Uh, and, and now without him, it changes, it changes everything. They're, they're not typically a high uh, output team offensively anyway under Dutch. Um, but he was a guy that, that they could go to early. They could go to early in the season and, and know they could get 20 from, and you take that away and you're going to, you're going to struggle because you've got to adapt right now. You've got to change kind of, you know, who your go-to guy is. And I'm not sure they know that yet. Yep, uh, they're stacking up wins, San Diego State is, but um, it's not the most dominating performances, I think it's fair to say. They won an overtime against Washington. They won an overtime against Cal. They beat UC San Diego by one. They lost at Grand Canyon. No shame in that. That is a good Grand Canyon program and a tough, tough road environment to play in. Uh, they needed a, uh, I don't want to call it miraculous, but they needed a, uh, a, a an exciting run down the stretch to be able to pick off uc irvine so getting the wins is what matters but i think um i think dutch if he in a moment of honesty would say that he needs to start playing a little bit better this season um i do want to ask you because you were able to catch up with richard patino it feels like new mexico is the team that not just in the mountain west but kind of nationally nobody is really talking about right um if you look at ken palm rankings as of today colorado state is sitting there 
They're nine and one. They're 26th on Ken Palm. San Diego State is sitting there 32nd on Ken Palm. They're eight and two on the season. Utah State, we had Danny Sprinkle on last week. Uh, they're 56th on Ken Palm. They are nine and one. New Mexico is 33rd. They are nine and one. The only loss that they have on the season to date came at St. Mary's. Um, I think that part of why they are kind of going under the radar a little bit right now, it's not just because they're they're a little banged up, but uh, they don't have that big kind of signature statement win at this point. Do you think they need that? Are you buying what this Lobos team is right now? Where do you stand on New Mexico? Well, they're going to need it in the league, right? They're going to need it in the league against San Diego State or Colorado State or both. I think they're going to have to split with both of them uh, to have enough meat in the bone. Because right now, again, you know, you played St. Mary's you were without Jalen House, uh, didn't didn't win that game. And again, if St. Mary's is a top 10 team, it's perceived differently. But they're not going to be a top 10 team. They're not going to be a top 25 team at the end of the mm-hmm. day with what they've done in the non-conference. So uh, I think right now, you know, good wins. You know, certainly Santa Clara could be the second or third best team in that league at the end of the day. Santa Barbara could win uh, its league. But ultimately, I think, yeah, you're going to have to pick up both at home to me, San Diego State and Colorado State, in order to be like a locked tournament team. And, and again, finishing the top three in the league. I know we're saying, you know, Mountain West could get four or five, and they could because you look around the country right now and you're like, all right, Big Ten isn't going to get more than like seven this year, where where normally they get maybe nine. Um, where are all these bids going to come The Pac-12, the Big Ten – and the Big East are all looking like they're going to have significantly fewer yeah. um, uh, at-large bids. Yep. Than, like the Big East might be a four-bid league this year, depending That's on what where we're going to figure out. Like, where are these bids coming from at the end of the day? And if you if you stack up enough wins, even, and get again, you get one against Colorado State, you get one against San Diego State, and you win, you know, twenty-five games. Yeah, you're going to be in, in the equation. You should be with those guards. And again being without Jalen house at the end of the day against St. Mary's. That's something that if you're Richard Pitino, you want to make sure you have media people saying that over and over and over every time they're mentioned in New Mexico, it's <laughs> yeah, they lost to St. Mary's, but it was without one of their best players. Yeah. And they need uh, and Nico Medved needs to get everybody saying that, Oh yeah, we were missing uh, two really important starters. Yeah. You know, Isaiah Stevens is great, but I think the, you know, the two guys we're missing, Lake and Strong, are probably the two most players, important players that we have. We can't win if we can't don't have Lake. Right. You know, you gotta you gotta push that narrative. Maybe that's what we're here for, Jeff. Is that what we're that's here right. for? Nah, I don't know, <laughs> but we're doing it. We're doing it. We're, we're doing it. We're doing it. Listen, uh, you were able to catch up with New Mexico head coach uh, Richard Bettino. Like I said, he is always one of the most entertaining interviews that you are going to get, and uh, I am glad that we are able to give this man more of a platform. If not. If anything else, just to be able to roast Tim Miles just a little bit more. All right. Now, pleased to be joined by none other than New Mexico head coach Richard Patino on the Mountain West Insider podcast. And Richard, I know you're fighting through some stuff here. I mean, you are playing hurt right now during this podcast, but we appreciate it. Playing very hurt. I I, I texted you last night, said I wouldn't do it today. I, I cranked out some NyQuil, watched the Giants make that game-winning drive, and now I'm riding on emotion right now. So I feel a little bit better. But uh, that time of year, man, everybody's got it. And um, hopefully by Friday, I get a little bit better. Are you admitting you're a Giants fan? I am admitting it, and it has not been a good experience. You know, when I lived in Minnesota for eight years, I had to pretend to be a Vikings fan. But now there's no pro sports team in New Mexico, so I can finally admit it. But uh, 
We got a little enthusiasm, but my goodness, it has not been great lately. That dude's agent was hilarious. Amazing. How Amazing. funny was that? I can't believe he was actually, and he really is his agent. I thought it was a joke at first. <laughs> Looked like a, a character from a movie or something, oh, right? Awesome. Oh, man. All right. Well, listen, nine and one start for the Lobos, uh, which, again, if you had told me that before the season, I would have said, you know what? I, I, I'm i signing up for it. But if you had told me that with the injuries you, you'd have to your top two players and the, the fact that they play about I don't know, what is it, about 15, 15 minutes and four seconds together from Mashburn and House so far in those 10 games, what would you have said? Yeah, that's been the surprising part. Um, and Nelly Jr. Joseph getting here October 31st. You know, those three factors, like when we played St. Mary's, <laughs> we were, we, we were, we had no idea what we were doing. You know, Nelly is trying to figure out what ball screen coverage we're in. He doesn't know half the plays. Uh, we just weren't ready for that game. And are you saying, wait, wait, are, are you saying he wasn't well coached by he his He was poorly, coach? poorly coached. Every time he screws up, I do send videos to my dad. I'm like, what is this? Um, but we just, we weren't. What I'm very, very surprised about is guys like Donovan Dent. I always thought he, he was going to be a really good player, but he has taken advantage of Jalen House's absence. A kid like True Washington, who was only a freshman, has absolutely taken advantage of Jamal Mashburn Jr.'s absence. Uh, and Jaden Toppin, JT Toppin, has been freshman of the week several times. He's been really, really impressive as well. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, again, you, you look at those injuries and you say it's a, it's a blessing in disguise, but you go through some lumps as you're dealing with it. You go through some losses. Uh, the only loss you had is to a St. Mary's team that struggled, but they're, they're going to be good. We know that. We know Randy yeah. Bennett teams are, are going to figure it out at the end of the day. With, with Dent specifically, you know, you played him last year. He was, a, he was a good piece as a freshman. And now, again, he's thrust into this role because of the injuries. What makes him so special? And give me kind of the background, Richard, how you got him uh, from, so we got from here, Riverside. Yeah, so when I got the job, and I remember you, and you had tweeted it, and I get gave you crap about it, but you didn't know if it was the right fit because of my geographical ties. Totally understand it. Like I'd been in New Mexico one time for an elite eight game. Um, so I didn't really know much about Albuquerque. Whatever. But I sit out and said, okay, I'm going to make sure my staff understands. We need to recruit the state of New Mexico. That doesn't traditionally have a lot of players, but then it's got to be Texas, Arizona, and Southern California. So the staff that I put together uh, certainly led to that. Eric Brown, who is now at Utah state, who was great for me. Um, had a connection with Corona Centennial and we started recruiting Donovan Dent early. And I just loved the way he played. The weird part about New Mexico is in the Mountain West is, are we a high major? Are we a mid-major? Like I really truly believe we're not a mid-major conference. Like there's a lot of my guys that could have played for me in Minnesota. Now, would they have been starters? I don't know. Donovan Dent was one of those guys where probably UCLA and USC were like, we really like him, but maybe not a top 20 guy. Why, why Rich? What, what do you think those schools looked at with him and said, eh, he's down our list? He didn't shoot a lot. So he didn't shoot a lot of threes, which always leads you to believe he's not, he can't shoot. Um, and now even last year, like he wasn't making a lot of shots. He was a winner. Like I talked to Mick Corona, his good friend of mine about him. And, and they all, everybody said the same thing, like winner. He was player of the year in the state of California. Um, 
won the title. We ended up flying over to Sacramento to watch him play. It just guys loved playing with him. Uh, you know, so it's it was that sweet spot of maybe not good enough for UCLA, USC. And I get it. And then, okay, come to us. Um, what he's been able to do is a lot of teams guarded him like Rajon Rondo last year. They played off him. So what happened last year was we had obviously a really good year. Jalen House gets hurt. We play Wyoming and Air Force and lose those two games. And that knocked us out of the NCAA tournament. Donovan wasn't ready to make up for the absent of Jalen House. And our team wasn't, not just Donovan. We're ready for that now. Donovan scoring 18 points a game and shooting 54% from the field. Phenomenal layup maker and terrific in ball screens. So when you get completely healthy again and, and you got house back, right? Mashburn, what's the latest? I think he'll be back um, after Christmas. So he, in the Rice game uh, in Vegas, he got hit in the leg and it really, really screwed him up. He had a bad thigh contusion, but he's also been dealing with a partial tear in his shooting thumb. Got hit in that as well, re-aggravated that. So the timetable is looking like after Christmas. Uh, you know, I told him we play Colorado State beginning of January. We play Eastern New Mexico on December 28th. I said, try to get back for the Eastern New Mexico game. See if maybe, you know, you can play a little bit. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, he won't play at, at New Mexico State. He won't play versus Irvine, and then he'll get that break for Christmas. So when you get healthy again, you're going to be deep. You're going to be deep. And again, we just talked about it. Like Donovan Dent's a completely different player now. He's got confidence. He's playing a ton of minutes. He's got the ball in his hands a ton. Have you thought about how you're going to play once you get healthy, hopefully January 1st, um, with these three guards? And, and they're small guards. But I think, again, in the Mountain West, you're probably able to handle that a little bit better than you were in the Big Ten playing three small guards together, if that's what you choose to Yeah, do. no, of course, thinking about it, um, the hard part is what's been good. I believe we only played one game without Mash and House. We certainly need one of them in order to be somewhat solid right now. So when Mash got out, House came in. <clears throat> but we got to figure that out. Now, I told Jalen the other day, like Jalen House didn't practice for two months and missed half the games. Like you're not going to be in full strength. Mash is going to be the same way, although he won't want to hear it. Like it's going to take you some time. So. Yeah, we've got to find a way to kind of blend it back and get that rhythm good. But we're playing high-level defense right now, where last year we had phenomenal offensive numbers. We were top 25 in the country, offensive efficiency. We led the league in scoring. We were not great defensively. I made the joke to you. I said, we just can't suck. Yes. Well, now we're we're top 40 in both by Ken Palm and defense and offense. And a lot of that is length. Um we're, we're bigger on the perimeter. Now, it's not all Mash and House's fault and Donovan Dent's because they're smaller guards. We also have a shot-blocking five-man, a shot-blocking four-man. We're rebounding the ball better. So it is all connected. But if we do decide when healthy to go with that lineup, those guys need to understand we need to be incredibly disruptive. Like last game versus Santa Clara, we had 18 steals. Um, so we're flying around. So we're playing differently than we were last year. But it's a great thing. I mean, competition – Brings out the most of all of us. You're pressing. You're, you're getting after it, right? You're getting after it. And you'll be able to do that even more when you have added depth on the on the perimeter like you will, right, with those guys. How, how much how much time did you spend, if you had to look at kind of percentage-wise, on, on your defense 
this past offseason. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I mean, honestly, not any different than the year before, honestly. What, what my first year, we added eight players off of Zooms because when I got the job, this was how I recruited in the spring when I got the job because of the pandemic. Yeah. So guys that you're looking at rosters that say they're 6'4 are showing up 6'2, right? And so you go through a year and then you kind of say, okay, this is what we need. And also not maybe knowing the Mountain West to the extent that I knew the Big Ten. Um, and we really thought, perimeter-wise, besides Mashburn and House, because they're great players, we've got to get bigger. We've got to get more shot blocking. So honestly, the improvements came more with depth. I was able to take guys out who retired and then shot blocking. Um, but I don't we we were certainly worked defensively um on it, but I just think it's been a, a buy-in from an identity standpoint that the guys sir and they also understood like our offensive numbers were so good. And we came short of what everybody wants to do with the NCAA tournament. If we had just been better, we may have been there. We lost we lost two games at the buzzer last year. Ball in the air. If we just get a stop, we win them. Yeah. That was Nevada at home and San Diego State at home. So I think just understanding we got to take accountability to this defense. So you're coming off a couple you know, really good wins, including a, a blowout of Santa Barbara, who I don't think people realize how good they are. And they got one of the best mid-major players in the country and in, in, in Mitchell. And other than, you know, him getting the line a hundred times, he did a really good job on him. Uh, in terms of your schedule, and, and I think everybody tries to put together a schedule, especially after what happened last year, right? You want to get enough opportunities to be able to play some of these high majors to, to knock off a couple to be in the conversation for a at-large bid at the end of the year. Um, it's hard, though. It's hard. How hard is it? How many people said no to you when you were trying to do even two-for-ones, Richard? Just trying to get whatever you could because yeah. you had a team that you knew was capable of being an at-large team if everything broke right. Well, yes and no. Um we didn't know when putting together the schedule, is Jalen House going to come back, right? Is Nelly Jr. Joseph ever going to get in the country? Like, so yes and no. It, it's, that's what's become harder and harder is there's not a set date where we all know the roster. Then you're taking transfers. You know, we took eight new players. So although we had two back or three backcourt guys in Den as well, we weren't sure where the team would be. <laughs> I think if you, and, and then you add New Mexico State. Do you need we a cough drop? Know, hey, do you need no, a cough I'm drop? I'm good. I'm going to fight through it. So we did not know. You're not going to, you know, 
We're not we going to have to call somebody in for series it. would even happen. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't know until June. Yeah. New Mexico State will get it going again. New Mexico State's always been one of the better mid-majors. So if that series is on the books, you're probably going to get, like, I think we beat them there our first year, and it was a quad two. Might have been a quad one. So once they build their program, hopefully not by Friday, we know the quality of that game will be better. I think for us, the the schedule needs to grow as the program grows. You know, our fans are elite. I don't think they quite understand what the process is to, to catch up to them. Um, we need to get in MTEs with probably more quad ones and twos. That, that I think is the key. We tried every home at home. We asked everybody. Nobody wanted to come to the pit. Did you try your dad again? No. We were supposed to play at St. John's, and he told me, oh, yeah, the, you know, let's do it right before Christmas. I said, great, let's do it. And as he's doing it, Bob Walsh is texting me saying, we don't have that date. I don't know where your dad's coming <laughs> up with that date. So the date didn't work. Yeah, but, yeah. like, we added the St. Mary's game at the end of the season. Like, I knew it wasn't a good game for me to play because we beat them there last year. So their their players remembered that. So it was – but it was the only quad one opportunity I could get on the schedule. Um, now, we're hopeful that Santa Barbara, Irvine, yep. Santa Clara, um, you know, Louisiana Tech, like, those maybe can turn into quad twos and threes. But it is certainly uh, not an easy thing to do. What's funny, you look around the country right now, and, and I know you're, you're a former Big Ten coach, so I'm sure you're paying attention a little bit to the Big Ten, and it's struggling this year. And, you know, I always say kind of this time of year, it's going to be hard to fill out the bracket with 68 teams. That, yeah, that's that an obnoxious comment, by the way. I know, but it's, it's kind of true when you look at resumes sometimes. A lot of them are similar. Well, how many at-large bids are there? What are the 30? 30, 30, yeah, 36. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that's really what you got to look at. It's right. not right. 68. Yep. That's yeah. I, I just feel like 68. I mean, I always felt like 64 was the right number. You know, my idea has been is okay. If you want to do something fun, let's, let's take after what the NBA has done a little bit and do a little bit of a playing deal off the final spots. And, and my idea, and I think it would be tremendous is get over those first couple of days, get, whatever, 16 teams, get eight teams, and pit the mids against the – the yeah, or the lows and mids that didn't make it or, or the last ones out or in against the high majors, those final high majors. So you're putting, you know, you know, like the eighth-place team out of the ACC or it's been like the ninth or tenth-place team out of the Big Ten against maybe the, you know, the, the, the SOCON team or something like that. I think more people would have interest – and watching that and those teams, whoever wins, gets the final spot in the field. That would be intriguing to me. Yeah, I think I think we have to decide as a sport what we want to be. Uh, I think this is not a knock on anybody, but every administrator who has football is really, really consumed with football. Football is, it's huge. And <clears throat> we've got to figure out where we want the sport to be. I've always said, and it'll never happen. I think we should start our sport in January. I really do because there's about 10% of people who truly care about college basketball right now. Most people are caring about the bowl games and the administrations are, they're locked in on that as well. Um, 
if we started in January and really turned this into a spring semester, you know, type sport, I think it would really help, but they'll never do that because of the tournament and then the masters. It's just such good television. I think we've got to figure out, and I've said this many times, football coaches are celebrated when they go to bowl games, right? Yep. 60 something percent of football coaches make bowl games. Only 19% make NCAA tournaments. We don't know what the NIT is, right? Like we went to the NIT last year. I don't know as a coach, should you apologize or should you be celebrated? Like we just got to figure out what we want to be. Um, I think 68 is fine. I think the playing game is certainly a little weird. Like, I don't know if I love it by any means. Um, but what we do have is we have a tournament that is a huge moneymaker that does captivate the country for a couple of weeks. We need to figure out the regular season, I think, more than anything. Those home and homes, whether it's Duke, Arizona, like, and you've tweeted about it, like, those are so good for college basketball. Yeah, we need, again, we need like two a night the first week. Yeah. You know, yeah. And you've said this too, and I agree with you. Like the first week is not great. Awful. It's not. Um, but a lot of it too is coaches are scared because they don't know what their roster is going to look like. And so it's, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I, I want to do a, um, I want to do a next year. My, my thought is a mini marathon on field of 68, the first day of the season. That Monday, do like four games put it on field to 68 really good mids or, you know, teams that would play in it uh, to get the exposure and start it and have like a, a blowout first day, you know, like they used to have for ESPN that full day. I'm not saying we're going to go full day, but we're going to go, you know, maybe go 10 in the morning, noon, two and four, and it goes right into whatever the ESPN or the Fox game is. Well, and if you turn on, if you turn on the TV these days, right. And you turn on ESPN, it is so football centric right now, yes. right? It, it just is like my family, we've played 10 games. They're always complaining. How do I watch your games? I'm like Mountain West Network. It's not that big of a deal, but like, it's hard to find it. It used to be all the games. If it wasn't on ESPN, it was normally going to be on that ESPN plus. Yep. So it was all right there. We're so spread out right now. Uh, so we obviously got to figure out um, that part of it. And that's a big, big issue for another day. All right, so how do you like now Albuquerque? Are you used to it? It's been a couple years. I know it was an adjustment. Like you said, you had never been there before. Uh, it's beautiful. I haven't been there in years, but I'd like to get back out this year if I could. I was here for one game. It was Louisville beat West Virginia in the Elite Eight. I didn't know much about it at all. Uh, I knew the fan base really cared. I knew Steve Alford had a similar kind of journey where he was at Iowa, had a little bit of success, similar to me at Minnesota. And he came, I mean, that's why I took it. Honestly, I'm like, I had seen a game in the pit. I'm like, it's really, really cool. Steve Alford had great success. I want to go do it. And I called a couple people, whether it was Larry Scheid, who was in the league. Uh, Sean Miller had played here when he was at Arizona. And they all just raved about the pit. But honestly, the, the first couple of months were really, really hard. Really hard. Um, for your family? For your family? Yeah, for, probably more for me than my family. Really? I overthought it. I, um, I was really, I wasn't, bitter that I got fired like there's been no bitterness like I totally understand it um if you don't win at that anywhere you're gonna get fired uh but I loved it's not that I didn't love the job in Minnesota I think Minnesota is a really hard job in the Big Ten um and they that's traditionally always been a hard job and they gotta figure that out for whatever that is um but I loved living there 
and I don't really have a home, right? Like people ask me where I'm from. I'm like, uh, Boston, maybe Minnesota became my home. Like I had two kids born there, love living there, had great friends. So it really rocked me emotionally. And I moved down here kind of by myself for the whole summer. Uh, there was a lot of uh, tears and a lot of red wine up there, sitting there staring at the mountains. But honestly, it feels like home now. You know, I, I stressed about my kids having friends. They've got great friends. I stressed about meeting people. I've got great friends. So I love it. I love the weather. I love the community really, really cares about Lobo basketball. Uh, so, you know, the West is different. I never kind of lived out here. And this is more Southwest. Um, but there's so many positives. The quality of life is really good. Yeah, it is. No doubt. You know, Not a lot school. of traffic and great weather. Yeah, I went to school in Arizona. And, and again, some of the same views. You know, yeah. the, the mountains are beautiful. The scenery is beautiful. You wake up every day. You just feel you feel a little bit different, right, than, than certainly being in the Northeast. Oh, and then it just – it there's no other sports. Right. So for, for the winter time, Lobo basketball is like the Lakers to this community. You know, so you had that like even though Minnesota there were pro sports, but you had you had a good fan base there too. You you've been fortunate. No, not yeah. not as good as I think. It it's it's good. It's yeah. not that they're not good. The problem is there's a lot of factors. You're playing late games, eight o'clock games, you're playing in the dead of winter. Yeah. You do have competition with the wild. There's pockets of them that love that. There's pockets that love the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves have poured a lot of money into that arena. The barn is a little bit of an older. So it's just a niche fan base. It's not that it's a bad fan base, but it's challenging at times. We're here. Our bad crowds are like 11, 12,000, which is amazing. That's yeah. pretty good. Hey, people always ask me the difference between you and your dad, personality-wise. And I tell them, like, you guys are so different. Like, you're similar in some ways, but I always say, like, if I can describe you with, with with one word, it's, like, real. Like, you are, and that's not a knock on on your dad, but your dad, your dad just kind of has a, a way about him. Uh, he, he's all about, like, the game and everything about it, and you just were more balanced, I think, in your approach your entire career. You, you were very self-deprecating in terms of you could make fun of yourself, sarcastic as hell. I would say you're about as sarcastic as probably any coach in the country in, in a lot of ways. How funny. Nah, I don't know about funny. I don't <laughs> know about, I'm not sure I'm, I'm willing to give you funny. Uh, but, like, how did you get that from – again, from your family, like from, from your dad, who was so hell bent on everything being consumed by, by the sport of basketball, did that almost send you a different way in, in the way yeah. you wanted to do things? Yes. Yeah, it did. I mean, I think um, I grew up kind of my, I think the transition from you're growing up Rick Pitino's son in Lexington, Kentucky, not a normal experience at all. <laughs> then I go, 180, and I never bought into that fanfare. You'd go out to eat in Lexington, Kentucky, and there would be a line waiting for, they didn't have camera phones back then, so they wanted a real picture or an autograph. Always bothered me, always annoyed me. Then you go high school in Boston, as you know, they don't care at all who your dad is. And the culture in Boston, everybody makes fun of everybody. 
And you better, if you don't laugh at yourself, you're going to be miserable, right? I mean, that's just, that's the funniest people in the world, comedians and so on, are normally from Boston. So I really gravitated towards that. And then I just, um, I don't know, like, I, I do think the way my dad really embraced it, you know, he 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 went head on with it. I was not really about that. And I also think going when I worked at Louisville and I made the decision to go work in Florida, that really helped me because Billy Donovan is and I don't want to sound like my dad's arrogant because I really don't think he's arrogant. Maybe in I his agree. younger years. I agree. It's hard to years describe him. It's hard to yeah. describe him because you could you could maybe like arrogant isn't the right word for him. No, I think what it is is this. It all revolved around him growing up because Kentucky basketball was huge and he wasn't coming to a lot of my basketball games. Like I was driving my daughter and my son to school today. I swear to God, and my dad will get pissed. I don't care. My daughter who's seven says, well, what didn't you have that I had growing up? I said, a father who used to drive me to school, like I drive you to school every day. And and it's just different. Yep. I think the culture of his age is different than the culture of my age. It's not necessarily him. Thousand. But me going to Florida and seeing that Billy Donovan's world as a coach did not revolve around his home life. It didn't. Christine Donovan, who I have so much respect for, would miss games to take her son to his game or to go to church or whatever. Like, so I saw that lifestyle and it just clicked with me way more. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't feed into all the fame part of it and the social media part of it. Like, cause I know that stuff can go away. I just try to stay as grounded and real as possible. Yeah. I think your relationship with the media is funny, you know, to yeah. watch you because you, you have fun with Jeff Grammer. You have fun with all of us. And like, yeah. And I, like, I don't, I don't go to press conferences thinking I'm like going to control some narrative and change. Like I'm like, all right, I got 20 minutes here. I'm going to answer your questions. I'm going to laugh or whatever that may be, but I just don't take myself all that seriously because I think all of us coaches were character and media too. We're all characters in a play, right? I mean, if you win, they're going to think you're a genius and they're going to say, you can't leave. If you lose, they're going to think you're an idiot and they're going to want you to leave. And it really doesn't matter. So I just try to do my job to the best of my ability every day. Yeah, you got to have fun with it. You got to have fun because, listen, what's the, and I'll ask you this question. If you're not coaching right now, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? It's funny. When I, when I had the meeting at Minnesota, uh, Mark Coyle shot me a text. Hey, we're meeting at 1 o'clock. I'm like, can't you just text me, tell me you're fired? Why am I going to drive all the way through the snow 25 minutes, like, just shoot me a text. I'm good. I'll, I'll move on. I, I won't be a bother to any of you people. But he brings me in, and it was – I still talk to Mark to this day. He's a good friend of mine. Um, but he had another person in the room at the time, uh, and she had said to me – you know, because I – what I was trying to figure out is, okay, I still get a year's salary. So do I sit out and make a good amount of money, or do I forego that money? Because if you take another head job – you're forgoing a really good chunk of change. Yeah. And a woman who was not trying to insult me said, I think you'd be great on TV. And I'm like looking at her like, I, I'm not a broadcaster. I am a basketball coach. So I don't know. I mean. No, I you'd be good about, at TV. Hey, hey, you'd be very, very, very good at TV. 
here's what I thought. I thought every, why is it every time jobs are opening? Maybe it's not true. I don't know, but we're reading on Twitter. These TV guys are trying to get back into coaching that, that just spoke to me. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I always thought I'd be a high school coach, honestly, starting with Mike Hart at Providence, Rhode Island. Um, I loved, he was hilarious. Yeah. It was like, he was in that Barrington, Rhode Island, cool prep school, no pressure, but he's doing a damn good job. And I, I always kind of thought that. So we'll see. I don't know. I mean, it, I never thought I'd be living in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's for sure. So we'll see where it all goes. All right. Well, listen, go pop some uh, Sudafed or whatever, whatever, whatever you're doing here to be healthy yeah. for, uh, for later this week. Appreciate you coming on nine in one and uh, going to be really interesting to follow. I think again, as you guys start to get healthy, uh, what this team can be because you got three dudes at the guard spot now. You got three all league guys, and that's where you want to start. Yeah, and, and a potential freshman of the year in JT Top. And I, I told him, and I'll let you go. But I told him after our last win, I said it's going to be really, really hard here soon because you're going to have to make the decision: Would you rather play 35 minutes and us lose, or maybe you play a little bit less, you sacrifice, and we win? Because we have legitimately 12, 13 guys who all have legit gripes. Can't play you all. Uh, so if they put the greater good first and understand that if you put yourself in a position to be playing in March and playing in the conference tournament finals, whatever, you're going to get noticed. It's worth it in the end. But there's going to be some sacrifices for sure. Good problem to have. That's what they pay you the big bucks for, to figure yeah. that part out, to get no them to doubt. buy in to, uh, to the culture. So, uh, Richard Patino, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.